We welcome you back to the Two Guys Named Chris Show. At this time every week, we talk with Lisa Lanier, our official attorney of this program. She's always giving us great legal advice. Can do the same for you at LanierLawGroup.com, and she weighs in on many stories. We call it Lawyer Up, and we'll start with the story my wife commented on earlier in the week, and the one she's most interested in as we say hello to you, Lisa. How are you? Hey, good morning. I'm great. I hope you guys are. Doing very well, thanks. You know, if I may just jump in for a moment, Lisa. Um, Chris Kelly's wife gave a tour de force performance. Uh, you know, the woman is passionate about the law and yeah. crime. Yep. Yeah. Not to the same extent that Lisa Lanier is, but many people are saying, Lisa Lanier, that you and Chris Kelly's wife could team up for a doozy of a podcast. I've, I've heard so many people say that. We should do that. We should do, and you know, I need, I should have called her and invited her. I'm going to CrimeCon in a few weeks <gasps> in Orlando. She would, she would die. There's she a CrimeCon? Doesn't she have a birthday coming up? She does have a birthday coming up, actually, yes. I've, <laughs> Boy, if we could send her. Where's to, crime going? Where is it? What did you say, Orlando? It's in Orlando this year. Yeah, it's in Orlando. It's just in, it's like, you know, a couple of weeks. So you got to hurry if you're going to get her there. But it's, it's Do you really dress great. up in costume? <laughs> <laughs> Will Trump be there? <laughs> <laughs> He's the keynote. <laughs> oh, <so given> the, <laughs> my gosh. This is fantastic. Crime con. Uh, I've heard a lot. These are. Both, both sides. Both sides of the, uh, I think the Murdoch case are going to be there. All of them are going to be there. And then not. Uh, a bunch of it's crazy. All the podcasters that are going to be there, Dateline, Kelly. Oh, oh my god! Talk about the first I've ever heard uh, of this. Me too. I didn't even know that was a thing. I had no idea. Well, Lisa, I'm telling you, a lot of people have told me these are two strong, passionate women who love the law. My wife's all about true crime and has really gotten into this Murdoch. Well, let's yeah. The only thing I'm worried about is, and it's already been said many times, is my wife is a better broadcaster than me. You, oh. you know, and her podcast would surpass yours. My podcast, and you know, it could get my ego could suffer a bit there. Wow. But she was saying now, she told us the ins and outs of this earlier in the week that the clerk of court, who by the way let her in a side door of the courthouse, she said, "Quit saying that." <laughs> I'm not supposed to say that. <laughs> but this woman apparently went back to the jury and said, "Y'all know what you're doing, right? This, you didn't you didn't get fooled by that old dude, did you? <laughs> you weren't listening to the defense, were you?" <laughs> Hurry along now and get home. Don't y'all want your smoke? Go ahead and find him guilty. <laughs> the accusations are horrific. They are. Yeah. She's, she's the clerk. Yeah. Do you think he gets a new trial out of this? What do you think? Well, you know, two jurors have signed affidavits, sworn statements that this stuff happened. And the allegations are terrible. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it, you know, she wouldn't let him, like you said, wouldn't let him go smoke till he came down with a verdict and went in there and basically said, don't believe anything that he says. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it was, it was crazy. So yeah, if they, if they you know, and it sounds like so you know the the um, some of the jurors came forward because they got upset when this woman, this clerk of court, immediately like flew to New York and went on all these television shows and published a book, mm -hmm. and they started thinking about her conduct and going, hmm, you know, maybe, mm. maybe she was trying to rush a, a guilty verdict through so she could sell a book. Wow. So they came forward, but then some of the jurors won't talk to the defense. So what they're seeking here is uh, an inquiry. They want the FBI because they think all these local South Carolina yokels aren't going to give it a fair shake. So mm. they, they want an outside entity. They want, there's a text message group chat between all the jurors. They want that. They want emails, particularly the clerk of court's emails. And they, they think they're going to be able to show, and they want each juror to be put on the stand and say, look, did this woman pressure you? You know, what'd she say? Mm -hmm. And if he proved this stuff, he's getting a new trial. Yeah. Can I ask you this, Lisa? If if you're the Murdoch defense team, 
I understand certainly asking for a new trial, but why would they not even say this is a mistrial and set my defend my client free? Well, because I mean, essentially, a new trial—it's not—it's really from a sort of a technical standpoint, it's really not that different. Um, but it's not a mistrial once it's over, okay. and it, you have to you have to have it basically set aside. It can't be a, then it can't be a mistrial. A mistrial mm-hmm. is something prior to a verdict. So they're just asking for a new trial. Okay. Have this one set aside. Get a new trial. He won't get out of prison though because he's already entered a guilty plea on a ton of other charges unrelated to the murder. So he's going to be you know, sitting in, in prison no matter what. Mm, my goodness. And why would this woman, wouldn't she know by doing this as an elected official, clerk or court, that this would come back to haunt her and get a new trial if this were ever get, got out to the public? Well, I think it's the culture that we see, you know, that created Murdoch. You know, these little, this little small rural town where everybody thinks they can just do whatever and they make the law. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, you know, she thinks she's the, the power and nobody's going to question her right. kind of like he did. That's it. That's it, right? That's what y'all said. And, and yeah. your wife, Kelly, said that, you know, she, that was, she in, in your wife's mind, the clerk of court, and I can't remember her name, sorry. Becky. Was, oh, oh yeah, Miss Becky. Becky. They call her Miss Becky. Becky. She was just like being a, a genial host. Yeah, like she was hosting the entire thing. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And so I, I think he's going to want it. But what about all the trials that she's been a part of before that? They for, should look for at however them. many years she's worked. I know they should look at those. I mean, she's I would probably, be, yeah, she's yeah. probably been telling people, you know, how to vote. I'm guilty vote, vote or not this guilty. Way, vote that way. My and she could goodness. be held criminally at some point if it's found to be true, Lisa. Well, here's the interesting thing, you know, and this is part of that whole South Carolina, you know, small town culture, is that they don't really have a lot of teeth in their laws to. Um, I mean, she she possibly could um, be if she's charged criminally, but it's tough. I mean, they don't really have a lot. They can't even really remove her from office um, if she's indicted. What they could do is uh, is suspend her position. It's crazy. I she's mean, they elected. can sort of yeah, yeah. She's elected, and it's you know, it's a, it's a weird in uh, like in North Carolina, the clerks of court are like judges, and uh, they basically they preside over divorces and probate and all sorts of things. But in South Carolina, it sounds like they take on almost more of a bailiff-type role where they're interacting with the jury a lot and escorting them in and out. Uh, and um, so it's a very different scenario there. Crazy. I mean, that mm-hmm. it's just the fact that he could get a new trial and that my wife could be sent in front and center again. Again. Exactly. again. Yeah, she's going to go down there again. Could if they you, ask for a change of venue? Maybe even the prosecution said, can we get it out of this county? Well, bring it here so we don't have to travel. You know? <laughs> open, the plate, open up your house. Oh, like, bring, them, yeah, bring them here. Let them, let them come here. Sit in your hot tub. Yeah. <laughs> fine. <laughs> Deliberate out back in the hot, hot tub. tub. That'll be just fine. Yeah. Uh, crazy story. Now, this one affects Chris Dim. Chris Dim has lost ESPN because of a fight between Spectrum Cable and Disney that owns ESPN and ABC. Well, some University of Florida Gator fans are not taking that lying down. A guy named David Harwood is a Florida fan. He missed the Florida versus Utah game on ESPN, which I believe they started and then right as kickoff was about to commence. (laughs) They unplugged it. Now you've got a Florida-Florida State game coming up. So this attorney is suing to try and get his ESPN-ABC back. But I would think he's got no chance. He is an attorney and should know this kind of things. <laughs> what are you thinking, Lisa? Does he have a shot at this? You know, you got to watch out when you got this uh, attorney Florida Gators fan and you deprive him of his game because yeah. Yeah. he's just going to go mad and file lawsuits left and right. He's trying to get a class action going. I mean, remember we talked about this, I think, the other day, and 
in uh, it depends on you if they can really kind of forum shop. Florida has a pretty good consumer protection statute, so he's filing under that. Which you know, not all states, just a handful of states have those really super, uh, really protective consumer laws. They have one, and then he's also saying that, and that for some of the consumers, they're still charging them a package that includes this this Disney package. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that's a, that really pushes it over. You know, I think that he's saying breach of contract and this other, you know, for charging. I think he's got a much better argument if they're still charging people something that they're not providing. And what they've said, and I think they've acknowledged, they're saying they're going to offer these voucher credit vouchers or something for, you know, for people who are are still paying for those services. But you know, that's a problem if you're still charging. Oh, I agree. That's wrong. If you bought, if you bought like ESPN Plus or whatever and can't get it because yeah. of this, and you're paying, that's not right. And Disney Plus is an extra fee. Correct? That's right, of course. Yeah, it's crazy that that that, that well, would. And Disney's Disney's. Well, what they're really after here is if they want to drive people to Hulu, because they, they now own two-thirds of Hulu. Okay. And you can get the same package on Hulu. Oh, they don't care right. that we you talk about that. That's right. You yeah. know what they've yeah. done, too? Hmm. Disney is rolling out right now for three months. You can pay $1.99 a month for the basic, for like oh. Disney Plus yeah. and Hulu. Right. That's not just what I've been looking for. <laughs> What's well, Disney basic? Like Huey, Dewey, and Louie? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the animation. This won't give you your live sports back, though. <laughs> no, you're right. Well, but Hulu has a live. That's if you got to that's, that's Hulu TV. Yeah, yeah. That's I different. It is. Yeah. Ah, okay. yeah, it's a package that includes sports. It includes it does. Uh, the Disney channels that they're missing. It's the whole Disney package. It's National Geographic mm-hmm. and all that. Well, I don't like these fights. I'm I'm a simpler man. And going beyond that, Disney and ABC are they may be Disney may sell ABC and ESPN. They're trying to get rid of it. They want everybody on their app. Right. They don't yeah. care about the the mm-hmm. consumer of cable or no. streaming television. That's the way they think it's going, and that's what they're going to try. They to want do. you over on the app. They own it. You know what this reminds me of, Lisa? Is during COVID. Like a friend of mine had a membership at a gym, and they asked him to keep paying his membership even though they were closed, so that they could remain in business. And I mean, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I guess they you can do that, but that just doesn't seem right to charge people when you're not offering your services. They can get away with that, I suppose. Well, you know, they they came in, and I think uh, like what the the uh, governor said at the time was. You know, y'all try to work something out because it's in everybody's best interest. If you're if you love your gym, mm-hmm. it's in your best interest to keep your gym open, right? And it's going to close if everybody just stops paying. Yeah. And so I think what he was saying is maybe, you know, maybe charge less or come to some kind of an agreement about what you'll get in the future. Or, you know, you'll get some extra extend your contract or something at a you know at a fixed rate. Yeah. Um, you know, so he was basically encouraging people to try to. Just work together, you know, to try to, to have the, have an outcome that's good for everybody. Well, my friend didn't like because he liked racquetball and then a steam, and they didn't open the racquetball courts back up. They never did. Because it's 1983. <laughs> 1953. You know, my friend, he'd, he'd go racquetball and take a steam. It's like a sauna in here. Yeah. I'm schwitzing. <laughs> And they and he paid the whole year and a half they were closed, and they opened everything except the racquetball courts and the steam. Uh, they said it was too tight a quarter. That, that's what, that's what, now he goes to pickleball. That's what he did. It drove him to pick. It drove him right to my arms. And now we're the pickleball pair. I didn't know he took a steam. <laughs> In there with some seventy-year-old men, sea cups, pouring water on the rocks. Yeah, he took a steam. That was his whole thing. He'd play racquetball for three hours and then go and steam for an hour.
had felt great about it. Pray to God he wore a towel. He loved it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was his whole thing. That's right. Uh, a, a question today about a lawsuit. This is interesting to me. In Brooklyn, there's a guy named Yano Lieber, quite wealthy, uh, slapped with a $5 million lawsuit because a woman claimed she was jogging on the sidewalk outside his multi-million dollar home in Brooklyn. Uh, she fell over what she says is a large crack there in the uh, fl- a flat bush it was a, a Flatbush Victorian home worth $2.1 million. She fell and injured herself and says that these injuries are going to be uh, permanent. The effects will be uh, permanent for the rest of her life. So she's suing for $5 million, saying he didn't care about the pedestrians in front of his house. Does he have to, Lisa? Because she jogged by it of her own volition. She's 64 years old and fell. Naomi Cohn is her name. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so it's interesting in New York. And this guy, by the way, he's not just any any. New Yorker. He's the chairman of the mass transit, of all mass transit for New York. Right. Okay. And he's, uh, and, and his neighborhood in Brooklyn is, um, you know, $2 million doesn't get you like, a, you know, a giant mansion or anything in New York. It's a, it's a, it's a nice sort of uh, middle-class neighborhood with these, you know, pretty trees and sidewalks in front of all the houses. Well, New York has a statute that says that property owners must maintain the sidewalk that's on their property. Mm-hmm. And so that shifts the responsibility to him. And then the burden is he's responsible for anything that he knew about or should have known about mm-hmm. in the exercise of reasonable care. And so I think he, his homeowners will probably step in. And I would think, I think that premises uh, cases are, are fairly popular in New York. I think his homeowners will probably settle with her. Okay. Dang. That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, if the sidewalk cracks, it's on you? I thought yeah, so, Yeah, that ain't too. cool, man. It's on the homeowner, yeah. Uh, it's I, just that not all, you know, not all jurisdictions are like that. In a lot of uh, municipalities, it's the city that takes care of the, Because it's usually, it's on, you know, usually a sidewalk is an easement on your private property. And New York has said, look, you know, it's your property, even though we've created this easement. So, you know, what do they do? Are they supposed to petition the city to fix the sidewalk or are they supposed to get out there and mix a bag of concrete you know? fair. Like great, these are great points uh, yeah i don't think it's right either i mean this is not he doesn't own the sidewalk I could see him maintaining right. the grass and the lawn around it but i mean if if, if the concrete pops up on its own because of a root yeah that's not yeah. i can't fix what's that. he supposed to do I, 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 I didn't think that was right she tripped now she's gonna you think the homeowners are gonna mm-hmm. settle if i were the homeowners uh, or the homeowners insurance i'd be like wait a minute that doesn't do you any favors they'll drop no. you my my home insurance agent well he likes to take a steam after a uh, <laughs> a, a round of racquetball I'm familiar with your agent <laughs> and uh he said he used to just, just pour over these ideas when he was steaming and then he would come back later with He's the brilliant with a fix on this thing exactly uh this is about uh homeowners as well a gentleman named everett tripidus had his home destroyed by accident. The city mistakenly tore down his his home. And I read the headline, and I think, how in the world is this possible? They are suing him for $68,000 in demolition costs after they accidentally <laughs> tore down his home. Look what you made us do. <laughs> <laughs> Having a house here. Lisa, I have read Wasting this. Wasting our time. You know. <laughs> How dare you put your house in like a wrecking ball? (laughs) (laughs) How can the city do this? Explain this to us. Well, they should not. And the the problem is sometimes, you know, this guy, he's not a wealthy individual. The home, uh, even though they tore down the wrong home, this home was not in great shape. But he did. He came home one day and it was gone. I mean, they flattened it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was gone. (laughs) And they hauled it off, and so it was. Um, it was like almost seventy grand to do that, 
and it's just these these procedures that are in place with the city. It's just protocol that they, when they have to demolish a condemned home, they do go after the property owner. So here, even though they've done it by mistake, they've made another mistake in going after him. And he's just, you know, it's that fighting city hall thing. He's just trying to get all these different entities because it's like different parts of government. And ultimately, he should be able to prevail, but he's not a wealthy man and it's expensive to hire an attorney. And so I don't know, you know, that's the problem that people find themselves in when they get that he's been wronged, but is he going to be able to correct it? Man, it's terrible. This man needs pro bono work. He does. And five on your side down in Atlanta went to him. Good. And they're hoping an attorney will step up for him, but that's really wrong. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. And how dare you, city of Atlanta, tear down somebody's house and then say, oh, we're going to sue you because we tore down your house by mistake. Mm -hmm. Disgusting. Atlanta. It's disgusting, isn't it? ATL. Do better. I'm for the little guy. That's the problem in this country. Mm-hmm. What I'm you picturing are. is you giving that speech as the uh, like the crane and things are moving in. Yeah, you own the demolition company. Demolish the house. <laughs> this isn't right. I take beep, beep, beep. <laughs> That's so true. My, my DJ friend said he was going to stop it. Where is he? <laughs> He's soaking in his new hot tub. <laughs> <laughs>